For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers well welcome everybody to another episode of the last minute blues podcast donnie fandango jeff burton from 1057 the point and our homie co-worker a former blue defenseman jamie rivers uh boys uh blues lose last night in a shootout to the sharks and i want to start this off by saying I didn't feel in watching the game that the Blues played a bad game, but then when I kind of think back, it feels like the second half was all Sharks, and then I saw that the third period shots were like 17-3 to or something for San Jose, so maybe the Blues didn't have the okay game that I thought they did. Yeah, I mean, my, with my schedule, I couldn't watch the third period, so what, yeah, what happened third period? <laughs> well, I think Craig Berube would like to know as well. Uh, no, look... The boys came out, played a good, well, pretty solid first half of the game, at least the first two periods, in my opinion. Look, too many penalties still overall in the game. Seven penalties. That's almost a full period of hockey that you're killing a penalty. Now, if you don't know the math at home, seven, or seven times two equals 14. 14 minutes of 20 leaves you only six minutes where you weren't huh. killing a penalty. That is yeah. correct. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. 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 I, it took me a while to do that last night. My 11-year-old helped me with that one. Um, now, that being said, the third period, whether it was no gas in the tank or they just had taken too many penalties, whatever it was, it was a nosedive. In not, well, yeah, their effort, too. It, it just wasn't pretty. And over time, they got outshot one nothing. didn't even get a shot on net. In San Jose, you could tell they were just trying to kill the clock. To get to the shootout, they had multiple opportunities to create offense. Why they did didn't. they do that? Why do you? I don't under. I did not understand why. Because there were multiple times, like you said, where Carlson pulled the puck back in the neutral zone. Why are you at least trying you to just, get a shot? Are you really just playing for the point? No. See, there is a strategy to it, right? People say, "Oh, they're just playing for the point. They're playing to get to the shootout." And if that if that was the case, if that's the case, it was the right move because they won in the shootout. Okay, right. right. So now. What it is is you you go in and out of the zone and you go far enough back to make the Blues players think they can get to the bench for a change. And then you reattack. So what you're doing, and if you watch San Jose, they get two or three changes on one shift. And the Blues players have been out there for a minute and a half. So it's basically like playing rope-a-dope with your opponent, just tiring them out, tiring them out. And eventually somebody gets tired mentally or physically and doesn't cover their guy and you create an opportunity. The Blues did do a pretty good job of sealing off most of the opportunities. Only one real opportunity in overtime, and that came with Donato standing in the crease, interfering with Jordan Bennington right. for no goal with 11 seconds left. But, yeah, it's not – listen, guys, it's not a Picasso out there right now. It mm-hmm. is not. And Craig Berube was pissed well, and I be- after the game last and night. I be- and I to interrupt you, and I know you got one coming, but I believe that, that- – this might not be the direct quote from Co- Coach Barubi, but it's something close. We've got a lot of guys that aren't skating and competing hard enough. That's that's I think that's exact. Woof. Um, okay, well then I will. Um, as opposed to starting with the positive that I was going to say about Justin Falk, I know it's only four games, but Ryan O'Reilly super quiet right now. 
Uh, and so far, and this is what I saw: four games, zero goals, one assist, minus one. Yeah, but if you watch the third period and the overtime specifically last night, Ryan O'Reilly was the only guy really going. And right now, Ryan O'Reilly has a a massive load on his shoulders to try and drag around. Right. He plays every other shift. He's on the ice for every other face-off. He's on the ice for every penalty kill. Heck, he was on the ice over a minute in the overtime, and we were controlling the puck on that shift. Then he got back and played defense. Ryan O'Reilly's not scoring points right now because the players around him aren't aren't playing well enough or hard enough to create opportunities. Well, and I also, he's always defending. And I don't want to fall into that trap of oh, he's a captain, so he should be a twenty goal scorer. He should be a twenty five goal scorer. Why doesn't he have any points yet? There's so much more to that than just the points. Well, yeah, I mean, look, to, to be a captain, there's lots of guys who are captains that don't score right. points. Um, it's not a prerequisite on the resume in order to get the letter on your chest. I think what he's doing right now is exactly what you'd expect from a captain is he's he's show, leading by example. He's playing the entire game hard. From the first shift to the last shift, you know what you're getting from Ryan O'Reilly. So when he decides to snap and call somebody out here, which probably happened today <laughs> or in the next 24 hours or whatever, they look at him and go, what can I say back? This guy just does everything. Right. He works his his butt off in practice, after practice, before practice. He's he does everything correct. Well, what's your pushback? There is none. Right, right. So shut up and perform. So you're, you're saying Kyrou's not going to go? I got two goals. How many you got? Oh, Kyrou right now is they're one of their best players. <laughs> I so. thought he was fantastic. I, I did too. And and it, one of the reasons why I brought that up was to segue very professionally into this comment: the uh, the breakaway with Schwartz and him. Yeah, and Schwartz shot it, and he probably should have. Don't get me wrong. Is anybody else already going, let Kairu shoot it, let Kairu shoot it? <laughs> yeah, I was. I was like, give him the puck, give him the puck. And I'd like to add on to that. It seems like there was that time and a couple of others where the Blues could have and should have taken the shot as opposed to passing off to try to make a little pretty bit 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 that, that didn't work out. That seemed to happen a few times last night, too. It happened a lot in the third. And I noticed it's just a one overpass. And I understand that Craig Berube's philosophy is he'd like quality over quantity. And that was the biggest difference from when Ken Hitchcock was here to Mike Yo to Craig Berube was Hitch was like funnel pucks to the net. If we get 70 shots on net, I don't care where they come from. Percentages tell me we'll score at least a few. Craig Berube and the philosophy of Craig Berube is correct. Why would you just shoot the puck from a bad angle and give possession back to the other team? Because goalies are so good now, and, and the puck possession is so valuable. But I think the Blues, some of the players have gone too far over the edge the other way. Like Sammy Blay had an opportunity last night in the third where uh, Ryan O'Reilly made a little pass to him, and Sammy Blay came out of the corner, and he, he had a shot. He had Zach Sanford standing in front. He had maybe a shot pass off the stick. He had a shot off the goal. He had an opportunity, something, and he passed it back to Colton Pareko. Then Colton Pareko back down, back up. By the time it came around, whatever the puck got deflected out into the neutral zone. So all that work to go in and retrieve the puck and possess the puck and get an opportunity by bypassing what was a okay chance, looking for the bigger, better thing, they lost all opportunities. Sure. And so that's where the fine line is, is you can try to create a more dangerous opportunity by possessing the puck. But what if that more dangerous opportunity doesn't come? Then all of a sudden that that mid-opportunity, that one that's like a yellow level, if we sure. do red, yellow, green, yeah. that one all of a sudden, it's at least it's an opportunity. And especially if you have a guy standing near the net and early in the season, right now you're not just pounding 
goals home every time, right? You had four in the first game, zero in the second game, five in the third. That's great, but now you're down to one right. in his last game. You know, it's not going in left and right for you. Get some pucks to the net. Take a few chances. Can we go back to, to Ryan O'Reilly really quickly? So who is on that line with Ryan O'Reilly right now? Well, it was it was Perron and Sanford. Right. And now to end the game, Chief decided to try and jumpstart Hoffman and put Hoffman on the left wing with O'Reilly and Perron. Okay. So then by just doing a little bit of uh, of people math, uh, when we're talking about the players playing with Ryan O'Reilly, not playing up to their ability, is one of these guys that we are talking about without talking about, David Perron. Uh, because I thought that he's, I thought that he played a, a pretty decent game last game. I thought he started well last night. But but who are these folks that you're talking about that need to step it up? Well, definitely. Look, Zach Sanford has to step it up. And I know it's like, oh yeah, pick on Sanford. No, let's work our way up the food chain here. Okay, okay. I think Zach Sanford has to step it up. Uh, I think that David Perron has to step it up for sure. I think Vince Dunn has to step it up. And I think Mike Hoffman has to step it up. You know, like, here's a frustrating part of Mike Hoffman, and I'm going to use this on my show, uh, 101 The Fast Lane, by the way, from 2 to 6 on 101 ESPN. Monday, anyways, through, Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday. Uh, anyways, uh, is I, I compare it to, you know, you go to, and you're a dog guy, Jeff, so you go to a, a shelter or a breeder or whatever it is to pick out your dog. You decide it's time for a family dog, but I want a good guard dog. I want a powerful dog, so I'm going to go check it out. So you go to your establishment, like I said, breeder or shelter, whatever you're into, and you walk in and you see this beautiful German Shepherd. It's big. It's muscular. It's majestic. You're like, whoa, that's my dog. Yes. That's my dog. You take the dog home, and the first day you're there, everything's great. Second day... Uh, the shepherd starts to jump up on people when they come to the house. You know, it's a little annoying. He's a big dog. You're like, yeah, you know what? Uh, that's a bit of a bad habit. We're going to have to work on on that. And then, then, this, then the next day, uh, he walks by the couch and lifts his leg and pees on the side of the couch. You're like, oh, okay. I'm uh, going to have to work on that too. You know, apparently the jumping up and the peeing on the couch. We've got to work on that. Then the next day, the third day, you come home and he's chewed up your best pair of shoes. And you go, okay, that's another bad habit that he's never been trained on. So we're gonna have to work on that. So now flip it, your dog Armstrong, and you go out there and there's a beautiful German shepherd named Mike Hoffman, who's sitting out on the unrestricted free agency market. He's good looking guy, handsome, probably no problem with the chicks, strong goal scoring guy. You're like, let's take him home. Mm -hmm. And he's cheap. Heck, he might even be free. We got LTIR money. Let's take him home. We take him home first day, looks great. Second day, oh, he's jumping up on people. Yeah. <laughs> you see my point? Yeah, 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 Second yeah. day, third day, you're starting to see some habits that over the course of his career, you know, maybe he hasn't been held accountable for certain things. Like maybe what? Like yeah, what? Can you yeah. tell us something that we well, can Well, if you watch, watch him, there's a lot of pause in his game. And in Craig Berube, it's everybody reacts to the first guy that goes, right? So the forecheck, hard on the forecheck, that's the biggest thing for the Blues. So F1 gets in on the puck. F2's got to be hard in looking for a loose puck or another puck battle. F3's got to be somewhat controlled in the high slot area just in case everything goes to hell and he's got to play defense at that time. Puck changes sides, but guess what? All bets are off. F3, you've got to get into that next corner. F1, you've got to get over. F2's got to become F3. Like, it's a constant motion of defense and hustle. When I watch Mike Hoffman, he's not really understanding where to go, and he's not used to... 
to uh, filling the gaps for his teammates. So if Ryan O'Reilly's in on the forecheck, Mike Hoffman's kind of like right behind him, like, okay, this guy's good. Mm. But wait, the puck went over there. You're supposed to be over there. So he hasn't been taught yet. So it's, it's just a system thing for it's him? It's a system thing. It's an effort thing. It's a requirement thing that he hasn't had to deal with yet okay, well, in his career. Well, but yeah, the good yeah. news is, Jeff, he's a good dog. He knows how to do things. You just have to teach He's him, just teach like the him. German Shepherd. Is there a better dog to teach than a German Shepherd? No. I don't know. Maybe equally as good. I don't know if there's better. Yeah. Huh. Well, at, at what point do you go, we're paying the guy $5 million, pick it up, we're on game five? Well, that's happening Okay. right now. Okay. And, and it's easy for me to say because I've never played the game. It's a little harder to pick up and imagine than one or two practices in a game or two. But you got to remember there was no real training camp. Right. Okay. There was no real preseason. So what you're seeing is raw right now. You're like, okay, crap. Okay, I see where we're at now. And even if you look on the offensive side of things, he he's not reading off of his teammates, you know, working hard to get open. He's kind of like in an area because, oh, they've always just got me the puck, and I shoot it and I score. That's kind of what I do. Well, not so much here in St. Louis. Yeah, you shoot and you score, but you got to help retrieve the puck. You've got to work why on the cycle game. You've got to be able to work this? along the wall. Wouldn't he have or his agent have known that, hey, this isn't a good fit, or, hey, if you're going to go there, that's great, but here's the system they have. Well, I, I think maybe it's not. Sorry, or am I being Jamie? too harsh? Well, I, go ahead, Donnie. No, I think that at this point, I think you might be being a bit too harsh. I think, at least from my perspective, I think that it might just take dude time to get worn into the that particular pair of pants. But then also, too, if he has some bad habits, then he's going to have to get his ass chapped yeah. a couple times to work through those habits. I see him creating offense, but it seems like um, they're not great shots. It seems like they're they're wide, or or he's just kind of taking them on that one right side of the ice. It, it a lot de- of it definitely doesn't seem like offense. he's yes, yes. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. seem like he's getting in there and creating. I want to ask kind of a, a a question about when the D pinches in because I saw Mikola do it last night. How? When you're on that rush, okay, so it's in the process of happening, how do you as a forward know how to play that? Do you just see him go in and know that you have to stay back? Is it is it as easy as that? Yeah, look, it uh, it takes – this is a part of it, okay? So let's circle – let's tie – let's bring Mike Hoffman into this conversation. We don't have to talk about him, but just remember him while we talk about this. Is it, it It's familiarity with the system, right? So the Blues are a – uh, a heavy pinch team. They want to keep the puck in the offensive zone and keep that pressure on as much as possible. So if a D-man reads that the puck is coming up the wall and he can get there, they remember the F3 we talked about, the guy who plays high? He knows right away, Mikola's going. Like, I know that. So I'm going to jump in behind him, and I'll play D for a second while he keeps the puck in, and then we'll readjust again when we get full control. If you don't know that, then what's going to happen is Mike Hoffman or player X, Y, or Z will jump to the puck at the same time as Mikola. Two guys caught on the puck, it gets by, it's a two-on-one the other way. Mm-hmm. Or he doesn't move, and either way, then, then it's a foot race into the neutral zone. So the players, through familiarity, know what to expect because this is the way they play. And Mikola, who is a quick learner, right? he's watching these games with a purpose. He's watching the Blues hold the blue line. He's watching them hold possession in the offensive zone. You don't think Mike Van Ryan is saying that every single time in practice, mm-hmm. every video room session. Why are we backing off here? Why? We have a chance. If we are 50-50 or greater chance of getting the puck, we're going for it. Why are we going for it? Because we know we're going to have player X, Y, or Z backing us up. So we always have two guys back anyways. I thought he played a hell of a game last night. I, 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 I hope we get to see him again. 
I, oh, I think we see him again next game. Yeah. For sure. And I think we do. not just because of the need. I think he played well. I think he played physical. I think he pushed, you know, he rushed the rushed the play, all that stuff, right? Well, I think he sees the ice again quickly because of how well he played. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's Whether the there's a need line. or not. Yeah. Doesn't matter. No, yeah. I, I think you'll see another player come out of the lineup, uh, specifically next game. I think there's going to be a message sent to somebody that – it's time to turn the dial up a little bit. I here. bet you're here, thinking here's it's what I, done, right? It's been done. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Can I Can I also... Sucks. I, hang on, Donnie. Sorry. No, no, no. It sucks when you're the guy who held out the longest on your contract, and then you come in and things aren't bouncing your way right away. Mm-hmm. Whether you're whether it's your problem or the game or the just bad luck, it sucks. This is why I said eons ago, sign the damn contract. Get to St. Louis. Start working. Because if he'd have been here for two months working with the guys, skating with the guys, and he has a little bit of bad luck, coach goes, ah, you know what? He's just having some bad luck. But right now when you look at it, you go, you know what? This guy's held out. He showed up one day before training camp, blah, blah, blah. Don't ever give him a reason to capitalize on your misfortune. I've always, and we've talked about it on this podcast many times. I really do love vanilla ice cream, and I thought vanilla, <laughs> and I and I and I thought vanilla ice cream was a welcome addition to the lineup last night. I thought that that at least in the first, from what I saw, that it just seemed like a steady Eddie presence back there. That you know, not spectacular, but doing his job. You know what I'm saying? So can you kind of? I would like to know specifically the, the your thoughts on 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 him last night. Well, I love Carl Gunnarsson. Yeah. I mean, I do. That's obviously where the vanilla yeah, ice cream sorry. started. I should have probably yeah, yeah. said no, that. It's yeah. okay. And for those of you just joining the podcast now, uh, last year or two years ago at Stanley Cup run for the Blues, we all discussed how Carl Gunnarsson's like just a he's vanilla ice cream. Nothing fancy, nothing overboard, but damn, is a good vanilla ice cream ever good. And you don't know it's good until you taste it, until you taste a bad vanilla ice cream. You go, oh, wait, wait, I like that good vanilla ice cream. Mm-hmm. Carl Gunnarsson is vanilla ice cream. And he brings that steadiness to the lineup, and you're you're really not going to notice him, and you shouldn't. Like he's not a flashy player, but when you look at the video after, if you're really watching the game, and every time he's on the ice, very seldom is there a, a massive mistake made by made by Carl Gunnarsson, mm-hmm. and that tells you all you need to know. The Blues love him, the players love him, the coaches love him. He is your plug and play guy. I think that this being the last year of his contract. Not that he's on the outside looking in, but I think they're looking for other guys to occupy bigger minutes. Mm-hmm. But come you know mid to late season in playoffs, if Carl Gunnarsson is still doing what he does best, he'll be in the lineup. Yeah, that's that's what I was wondering is is that if maybe his presence back there is something that the Blues are maybe missing a little bit. And staying back on the defense, there I know with Krug, the Krug signing, that uh, it was a lot of hey, he's smaller in size, he's not going to be able to clear the net. There was a I don't remember who it was that scored the goal, the one Sorensen. where kind of Sorensen. That's it, a hell of a goal, but somebody a little bigger keeps that from going in. Yes or no? Absolutely. Okay. Like, I mean, I I love Tory Krug. I think he's. Uh, Got a lot of upside right now. What sucks for Tory Krug is a couple things. One, Alex Petrangelo scored a goal last night on the power play for the Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights are 4-0 on the season. Uh, two, the power play has zero goals this season in, what, four games. Uh, first time since 73-74, I believe, that they started the season with four games without a power play goal. So that's not good either. And the last thing is, yes, he just got out-muscled for a goal last night from a bigger, stronger guy. He had body position. He had stick placement. He had everything. And unfortunately, and it happens. Like, that could have been Colton Pareko as well, standing right, there. Right. 
And guys are strong. I battled many guys that the bigger they were, they weren't as strong as some of the smaller guys who were heavier on their stick. Sorensen's a strong dude. And so the problem is, as you look at it, you go, oh, it's because it's Tory Krug and he's not a very big guy, right? Right, right. right. Unfortunately, that's where we go. And it could have nothing to do with it because Sorensen, that guy's a beast. He He's built like a mule. He's strong as an ox out there. And I think that may have happened to almost anybody. But unfortunately, we hyper-focus because of the size issue for Tory Krug. I wanted to bring up Evander Kane, and I know we have talked before about his, you know, his, his money issues, and uh, he has money issues. Yeah, well, he doesn't have any money to have an issue he with. He has gambling issues, and that is right? the issue. Yeah. So, what is he? Twenty million dollars dead or something like that, or, or uh, and filed for bankruptcy. And then he was obviously a douche to our goalie last night with with, with the poke. And I, I thought I, when, there was a meme on uh, Twitter where it was like, "Hey, man, you can't afford a fine right now." Yeah, right. <laughs> so I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, but. Hockey players are notoriously chirpers. We give each other crap about everything. Is that something that would not be on the table? Oh no, that's on the table. What is not on the table? Is it like wives and kids, and that's it? No, or, no, or, those are on. Ta- well, those kids are, on are off the table. Kids are kids off, are the, off table. the table. So, so wives, mothers, uh, as long as there's no illness in the family. Like usually, you know, like if somebody's wife or their mother's going through a battle, their mother's passed. You don't go there. That's the unwritten right. rule. You're like, okay, I don't need to do that. Um, the only thing that's really off the table are kids and like sickness and things like that. Mm-hmm. So if there's something really personal that is affecting them, then you kind of like okay. But everything else, man, it's in play. Throw it in the bucket. Just, it's it just in play. Seems like he's the guy that you would be okay with doing. He just oh, I'd have him in right? tears, Jeff. I, I got I got halfway through the game. Evander Kane would either want to kill me or just cry in the corner. I, I don't or both. I, I do not. In watching him play last night, I don't understand. I I don't get it why do you have a guy that's that skilled but takes four minor penalties led the team in penalties last year i think led the league or was second in why why are you doing that when you have so much skill he does not seem to be a very smart player but maybe it's maybe my perception is wrong you're laughing so i'm assuming my perception is wrong (laughs) no no no, i'm loving what you're doing right now (laughs) Go, you got the ball. No, no, I'm just saying, like, it just seems like you got a great talent there, but he's doing numbskull bull crap right. that's getting him put in the box. I don't understand. How come somebody doesn't shake the kid and go, yo, man, you could be a really great player here, but you're being a knucklehead? Donnie, are you really, really shocked at him making poor decisions? No, I'm not. I mean, overall, no, just think about what right. we're saying right now. No, you're right. Obviously, the guy is not great at making great decisions. But if you're a coach that of that guy, that's got to drive you the crazy. The poison, Donnie, is that he's what t- second top scorer on the team, and he can change the momentum of a game in one shift. Wow. He's physically gifted, and look, you take the good with the bad. He's an aggressive guy. It happens, you okay. know. He'll figure it out. It's early in the season. I don't see him taking four minor penalties a game. Sure. Very often, he plays with an edge. He's the guy that gets in Ryan Reeves' face when they play the Golden Knights. Like he's not afraid of anybody, mm-hmm. um, and he can tickle the twine at any time during the game. So, uh, Evander Kane's a guy that everybody wants on their team. Maybe not with the baggage right now that comes along with it, but if you put set that aside, pretty much anybody take him. A real quick question about San Jose, and then I want to ask a, a, about the Kings in this weekend. But And I, I had messaged you guys this I don't know, a game or so ago. It, are the Sharks legitimately just a fire sale waiting to happen? That, that To me, that is not going to be a team that's going to go deep necessarily, and they have got a lot of big contracts on that thing. And I'm still kind of confused as to why 
they would give Carlson all that money. I don't know, man. I'm just kind of confused. It feels like it's sort of a mess. And again, a rebuild that is literally just waiting to happen. Well, I I don't know how they're going to do it because they are stuck with these awful contracts. They got Burns and... Carlson, like seven years left each. Like, I don't even know Burn how many seven years? gajillion dollars Jeez. left on the contract. Um, Martin Jones, the goalie, he's on an awful contract. That's why they still have him as a goalie. Right. Played pretty well last night, but overall he hasn't been fantastic in the last couple of years. Yeah, they've got a lot of heavy contracts. It's like they went for it two years ago. The year the Blues knocked them out in the conference final is the year that San Jose put all their chips in the middle of the table. They had Pavelski, they had Carlson, they had Burns. I mean, they had a lineup. They had a lineup, and they didn't get there. Yeah. And so I was like, oof, we didn't get the ace. Damn it. Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. We didn't get flopped the ace. We're done now. I think we broke them. That's okay. I'm all right with that. Hand pass, baby. Hey, old <laughs> hand pass. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the Blues, uh, Saturday and Sunday, uh, they play the L.A. Kings in the next week. Oh, baby. Four games next week in Vegas for two, and then uh, off to Anaheim to play the Ducks uh, f- for two. Uh, tell us about this Kings team, Jamie, because uh, they are one. They're a team that when we started talking about the 2021 season, uh, you mentioned them as a team kind of on the, the, the up and coming. Can you talk about these Kings and, and what they've got in store for us this weekend? Yeah, look, the Kings, the Kings are like one step ahead of where the Sharks are because the, the Sharks are where the Kings were maybe last year. To where they had all these awful contracts, mm-hmm. you know, Kopitar, Doughty, Dustin Brown, and uh, Jonathan Quick. It's pretty much your team, and that was almost you know most of your salary cap at the time. But Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille, who were oddly enough back there, you know, working the, the phones and doing the GM and president's duty, they did a good job of shedding some contracts, buying some guys out. They got some good young talent coming in. They had a really good draft uh, this year and last year, and they're they're pushing. You know, they're going to be relevant in a year or two. Mm-hmm. This year, they're they're dangerous this year because you don't know what you're going to get. You have a couple of veteran guys on the team that certainly know what winning is. They have the rings to prove it. And then they have young guys who are hungry for NHL jobs. So it's an odd mix. If you're not ready for the game, if you're not ready to go, you find yourself on the wrong end of that one. Who's still on the team from their Stanley Cup years? Um, I think the guys that just went over. I think it's quick. Just those guys? Okay, Dustin yeah. Brown. Uh, Kopitar and Dowdy, I think. Uh, I believe that's it. Now, there could be a, a, a relic or two that we didn't even know were on the team back then, but they're still kind of lingering around. But I think overall those are the, the main characters. Brown's got some years under him now. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Dowdy, too, he's getting up there, but he still logs, you know, 30 minutes a game pretty much. It, wow. It seems wow. like, uh, you know, you see a lot of former players that become executives uh it seems like it's almost kind of a, a bit more of an anomaly when you've got a guy that's running an organization that hasn't played the game. Are there very many of those guys left anymore? Doug Armstrong, seemingly one of the, the few. He didn't play, did he? Uh, well, he didn't play NHL, well, no. Right. Uh, but Doug went up through the ranks, right? Like he started as like a scout, a regional scout. Then he get upgraded and upgraded. Doug went through the ringer to sure. work his way up to where he's at now. So. You build up what do they call it street cred, right? Mm-hmm. You get some street cred under your belt because you weren't the player. You weren't blessed with, oh, hey, I got a Stanley Cup ring or two, and now I just want to do this hockey thing, but in a suit, you know? Right. Um, yeah, there's not many guys, and it's a new wave of guys, too. It used to be the old school guys, like give your buddy the job, 
oh, how bad could he screw it up? Right. You know, that kind of thing. But it's a business now. And there's a lot of thinking that goes into it. And even if there is a buddy system at certain times to where you give your buddy the job because he's a good dude and he knows hockey really well, you're arming him with a capologist, a mathematics guru who is going to be like, yes, we can do that. No, we cannot do that. Yes, you can make that trade. You know, that kind of stuff. Yes, you can call this player up. No, you can't send that player. No, you can't buy that guy out. All that stuff. Right. To where now you kind of get an idea. And these guys, they're quick learners. You have to remember, hockey players are being being taught. So we go back to the German Shepherd, right? <laughs> right. Let's yeah. go back to the German Shepherd. <laughs> hockey players were barely born as puppies, and they're being taught immediately everything. And so they learn. They're sponges. And every team you go to, you learn something new. Every time you talk to somebody, you listen and you learn, and then you repeat it. And it's it's crazy. Like I, for me... From the time I was 20 to where I am now, the amount that I've learned about just life in general, let alone the hockey business, I mean, other guys are doing the same thing. It's just because you're programmed to learn things like that. How come it's tough? I'm sorry, Jeff. I I just, I had this on the brain. So uh, Stevie Y going back to Detroit to kind of uh, retool that, and I'm weirdly rooting for him, which is so foreign to me because (laughs) I've hated the Red Wings my entire life. No, you should root for him. He's an amazing dude. Dude, he seems like it. And I mean, he did such a great job in Tampa as well, but why is it hard for seemingly lots of superstar players or are really good players to have that success translate to when they become a, a GM because that does not happen seemingly very often when star yeah. player retires and goes on to be star GM as well. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a little more common to jump into the front office. It's really uncommon for them to become coaches. And like Stevie Y, Rob Blake, um, you know Don Sweeney in Boston. You have a, a good number of guys who were star players that are able to be the general manager or the president of hockey operations because they can understand that side of it. And it's more of the business side. And there's some other thing. When you put those guys behind the bench, sometimes it's a disaster, mm. right? And like, look, uh, Wayne Gretzky is the greatest That's player. First, first thing I thought of, yeah. to Gretzky. ever play and. Now he wasn't a disaster as a coach. He was a he was a good coach, but Wayne had a really hard time because like I, he traded for me. I was in Detroit, and Wayne and and those guys traded for me to go to Phoenix and play there. And I think he just wanted a drinking buddy at first. But um, <laughs> I asked him to get you out of Detroit. Yeah, so, no, I, I needed to get see out of the there. Jersey on I'd you. seen enough of Mike Babcock for a lifetime. Yeah. Um, but anyways. So I got to, to Phoenix and we're chatting and whatnot. And he's like, man, I just, I don't understand how, you know, so-and-so or so-and-so doesn't get it and blah, blah, blah. I go, I go, hey, Gretz, you know what number that guy wears? I don't know, seven, you know, eight. Yeah. He doesn't wear 99. Sure. This is why he doesn't get it. This is why he doesn't slow the play down. This is why he doesn't see the guy going back door. This is why he doesn't see all this stuff. He's not Wayne Gretzky. So for coaches that were really dominant players, never mind the best of all time, it's hard sometimes to look at it and go, like, they're like, what are you doing, you idiot? Right. Like, how do you not Why see that? Why are you not as good as me? Yeah. I would have made that pass there. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. And so that's why those guys move usually to a front office job. Assistant GM, GM, president of hockey operations, assistant to the president of hockey operations. Take a look around. Marty Brodeur, he's assistant GM. You know, you look at Chris Pronger was uh, assistant to the president of hockey operations. Rob Blake's a GM. Luke Robitaille's a president. Stevie Eiserman's a GM. 
if you go down the list, there's guys that were superstars, but they're at a higher level when it comes to the team. Whereas the coaches, the best coaches, are guys that were fourth liners. Mm -hmm. They are. Because, and I say this all the time, the reason I get coaching, I had to learn. If I don't do shit right on the ice, if I don't do that right, then I'm benched. I'm out. I don't play. So guess what? I'm coaching all the time. I'm watching video with a coach's eye because I needed to be 100% sure of what I'm supposed to do on the ice. So Craig Berube, same thing. He was a fourth liner, a fighter. He was a pretty good player, but a fighter, right? So if he gets out there and costs your team a goal, he doesn't play again. So Craig Berube had to know where do I need to be? What's the forecheck? What are we doing in the defensive zone? All guys like that, role players, heck, even goaltenders who uh, you know are coaches now, they watched the game from their net. They watched it, you know, and so they see it differently. Those guys translate to better coaches. Heck, look at our coaching staff right now. Mm-hmm. Craig Berube, Steve Ott was a role player. Yeah, Mike Van Ryan was a role player. Yeah. You look at Jim Montgomery, up and down from the NHL and the minors and all that stuff. That's your coaching staff, guys. Not one superstar. It's amazing to me. Yeah, it is. It's just amazing that that it that the information doesn't travel the same way for the superstars. It's just it's. But I, you know, I'd read a lot of stories too in this different sport. But like when Ted Williams tried to become a manager after his playing career, and he just like you were saying with Gretzky, he just didn't. What do you? Why are you going up there swinging at that pitch when you know the situation and blah, blah, blah? He just didn't get the inherent not Ted <laughs> Williams. Why are you not as good as me? Right. Is, that why, is that why, other than the youth, the, the, you know, the youth hockey, Al McInnes never behind the bench? I saw him, you know, coach yeah. his sons over the oh, years, yeah, that yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing. But no, no not that I, I don't know if it was ever even Keith offered Kachuk. to the guy, but it never even popped in his head, I bet, did it? Al would be too frustrated. It, one, he's a tremendous coach. Uh, very obviously very knowledgeable, and he's really good at teaching kids, which means he can probably teach pros. The, the hardest part in the world is teaching kids to do something. It's true, because they're going to be like, well, why? I don't understand. Explain it to me. But but in the same respect, how does a coach go up to Ryan O'Reilly or somebody and go, hey, you really should be doing it this way? You know, it's that whole, why does Albert Pujols have a hitting coach kind of thing? Why is it easier for the pros uh, to get it, then, or why is it easier for the coach to talk to the pros as opposed to the kids? Is it just uh, well because the pros have of- a they have well, you talk about a foundation, right? Yeah. They they know exactly what's going on. So when you're talking to a player, you're not tearing down his whole game. You're not trying to sh- teach him how to shoot a wrist shot or where, like. He knows all that stuff. When you're talking to a pro hockey player, it's little tweaks throughout the game. Like maybe you got into bad habits. Yeah. Uh, try this. What or, are you doing this for? This Why are you I'm standing there? Over here. Why are you not pressuring here? Why are you not gapping up here? Here's the video. Watch this. And then because hockey players are very trainable, like a German Shepherd, <laughs> right? We're going to tie it all back to that. Yeah. They watch the video and they go, oh, great. Well, you don't have to put the shot collar on anymore. I got it. <laughs> I won't run outside the yard. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the hockey players probably like the shot collar. <laughs> you ever have? Have you ever been zapped by one? I have no. I've been zapped by other things, but I. I, uh, I um, uh, what is it called? The taser. Taser. taser yeah. Um, twisted it to me. Charges. While, while I was on pending. the air. What? While I was on the air on the radio. Oh, he twisted me. He goes, "Hey, you ever had one of these?" I go, "No." He goes, Zzz. "I was like, okay, that's why I didn't want to do that. I'd yeah. be afraid I'd pee my pants or something like so that." So I tased yeah. myself. Um, <laughs> Uh, on purpose. Shocking. <laughs> on, on purpose. It is shocking. Thank you, Jeff. Um, in front of Jim Campbell. Oh, really? Actually, yeah. We were in my apartment uh, downtown when second year maybe on the team. I don't know. One of those years, 
And I had got this taser. This cop buddy of mine had sent me this taser. I'm like, this is kind of cool. And you turn it on, you yeah. I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Soupy's like, get the especially, hell away from me. Especially that generation of them, too. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. probably nice and loud. It and, was. Yeah, it was yeah. like sending a message, like, beat it, man. Don't yeah. come near me. Uh-huh. Soupy's like, don't come near me with that thing. I'm like, just a little one. Just a quick zap. He's like, dude, I'll tell you right now, don't. I go, okay, fine. I'll do it to myself. He's like, okay, go ahead. I took it, and I was like, of course, why would I go to my chest? Right, sure. Like, of all places you're going to do it, why yeah. would you pick your chest? Nice and close to the heart. Yeah. Sure, yeah. There may have been a couple of bottles of... Sure. Crown Royal involved. <laughs> um, so I take this thing and I put it to my chest. Whap! Hit like, and all of a sudden, whoop, my legs go out. I'm like, God damn it. I'm laying on the ground and like it nailed me. Holy It God. felt like a, a mule kicked me in the chest. And so Soupy's like, oh, are you dead? You know? And I'm like, no, I'm not dead. He's like, okay, well, let's never do that again. And so I, I didn't do that again. It was a good lesson. <laughs> Jeff, see, like the German Shepherd can yeah, be trained. See there? Again, we'd like to call this soupy and ribs, stupid human tricks. (laughs) Now, with the shock collars, I had uh, we have Akitas, and I didn't wear one, Jeff. I thought about it, I offered, she said no. Anyways, um, we have the shock collars for our Akitas that are you know, they're like bear heads, right? And their necks are so thick with the fur. And we had this one monster, and he just kept like just walking out of the yard and going wherever he wanted. It's like, son of a I get a shock collar. I have it all this invisible fence installed, and it's cost me thousands of dollars. Put it on the dog's neck, and he walks over, kind of pump fakes a little bit near the little flags, and then just walks through. <laughs> Was it because of all the fur? I go, what the son of a... So I go, and I think it's not working. Right. So now I take it off the dog, and I hold it in my hand. I got the little metal things. I'm jamming it in my hand. I'm like, I want to see if this thing works. So then I just go, and I walk towards the thing. I was like... <laughs> God dang it. Like my teeth rattled, dude. And so finally then we figured out that it's because of all the fur and whatnot. So we had to go and adjust everything. We bought a huge like horse box. It was like the size of, I don't know, your remote control at home. Like, And it's sticking on the side of the dog's head. And that son of a bitch, he still walked through the damn invisible fence. Wow. And he kind of, he tried to bite it on his way out. So a couple thousand dollars and a couple of shock collars later and me pissing my pants holding the shock collar. And we had to install a real fence. Oh, you have to hold that a real yep. fence. Invisible <laughs> fence inside the real fence and the shock, the horse box on the side of the dog's head. Oh, how, do you, how long ago was that? Uh, that would have been oh, probably about 12, 13 years ago. Now, do you still have the same breed of dogs? Oh, yeah. We still have two yeah. Akitas. Okay. Because I remember a million years ago a... Christmas card from you guys, and it was everybody in the family. Oh and, God, and yeah. the dogs too. Yeah, that's yeah. a great breed of dog. They're they're incredible. Yeah. They're uh, they're no nonsense for one thing. Um, not quite a German Shepherd, but we're working on it. Uh, but they're great with the family. Yeah. Great with the family. The kids, like every kid we've had, to crawl all over them when they're babies and play toys and dress them up. And like we have so many pictures of dogs wearing costumes and almost with that like really face, right? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. But they're awesome. I. I can't rave enough about man. Yeah. We my 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 dog goes fifteen, and she's and she she has been the best dog. You know, talk about has grown up with the kiddos, has taken the ear pulls and all that stuff. But man, she just has days where she's just a little slower than she was before. And oh god, I, yeah. I tell you what, man, like I am that is not going to be a great day. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like it, ne- because they never she, are. she is just such a little she's just been such a great amazing dog and 
And Mary will even say, you know, hey, well, do you want to get a another one sometime soon? Maybe something to keep her company. And I was like, nah, man, I just I want her to ride out on the sunset being the only one. You know what yeah, I mean? Being yeah, being yeah. being the only one. But that's dude, I don't get like super sad about much. But man, when I start to think about my mini man, like and there are days where she's hopping up the stairs and doing a little yelping because her arthritis oh, is bothering crap. her. Oh, dude, it just breaks my freaking oh, heart, we, man. My we have heart. two. We have two and um, I mean, you know, you you know Eloise, she's only like three, but the other one is a, a cockapoo, and she's eight or nine or ten, something like that, and she blew out a knee right away. She just recently blew out the other one, and but even more to me, it's the it's the mental side with the dogs when you start seeing that slipping, like when she's just sitting there kind of staring and nobody's in the room, and you walk in and go, Bailey, all the cool people are going upstairs, come on, and she's like, Looking around, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's like she's not super aware. Yeah, see, right away, and that's the sad part for me. So my mini has a has a cataract in one eye, and then she's got one that's growing in her other eye. So her vision is 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 getting minimal. So yesterday, man, she was outside, and some bird legitimately landed right by her. She didn't see until the bird almost flew away. She starts to run toward towards the bird and runs right into one of the legs of our deck. Oh, <laughs> like, no. like, dude, so like, so I go and I get her and I, and I so I'm petting her and she's still looking for this bird. Right. And I'm like, honey, you, the bird is gone. The bird is laughing at you. This is not you anymore, man. Yeah. This is not you. But regardless of, uh, to change back to our, our our blues, big games next week. They've got they've got four Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you know two more Saturday and Sunday uh, against the King Kings both night games. I will not be watching the game on Sunday night because I will be. Uh, I'm already in a, in a freaking panic about the AFC Championship game. Oh so, yeah, the Bills. Yeah, man. And I got to go talk to Kylie on the air today, and I'm kind of nervous about that. Oh, are you? Because he's been mean mugging me for the last See, week. We got to watch. <laughs> we got to watch out for BK because yeah. he's going to be like armed with all bunch of stats and I stuff. Know. He, he used to do that to me. And you go, okay, wait, wait, think, 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 and be like, you suck. There you go. <laughs> what did I'm I tell you, you? Always just say something about his mom. He'll take care. But of But I'm it. telling you, when it. we talked about it this week. I'm not lying. I see fear in his eyes. Yeah. Well, no kidding. It, the the generational quarterback that is Patrick Mahomes is still a little foggy, probably, and that's pretty much their season on the line. Like Chad Henney did a good job of getting a first down and passing sure. the ball for a couple of times, but you got to rely on that for an entire football game. I don't think I like their chances. And here's the thing. And here's the thing, though. And I know that I'm probably going to be uh, that I. I shouldn't wish for this. Well, I wish for Patrick Mahomes to be healthy as a human because yeah, I'm a good human. After that. But I, no, I want him to play. <laughs> no, yeah, you I want, want him, to, him play. to be healthy and I, I want, want him uh, to play. You, you don't, don't want, want that excuse. excuse. No, right, man, yeah. I don't. Because, dude, if we if, if, if the Bills would win and Mahomes wouldn't play or, oh, my God, I'd never hear the end of it. Yeah. And, man, there are some Chiefs fans in this area that are a-holes. Mm. They are not nice. Wait, Bills fans aren't? Well, listen. <laughs> what? Listen. What happened? Listen. 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 Yes. <laughs> Could we be a little salty too? Sure. No, but you know what I but will say. But we're too busy having fun jumping through tables on fire, yeah, right? Which now. I'm okay. All right. That's a Rivers family reunion. Usually, <laughs> although it's not on your own, usually somebody puts you through a table. Now, that being said, the Bills Mafia donated a bunch of money to Lamar Jackson's yeah, charity. We do it right. But here's the thing, though. As I, it's a head tilt. Is it a. Salt in your eyes while you're crying, or is it actually because they did something else too? Oh yeah, that's right. They 
They want fans of the year and then put a billboard up in New England. Right. Right. So I'm sometimes I'm wondering if it's the crap sandwich that they're feeding. Yeah, people. no, we're douchebags sometimes okay. for sure. All right. But the thing about the Lamar Jackson thing that was amazing to me was that after the Ravens arrived at the Buffalo Airport or when they were leaving the Buffalo Airport, when they were leaving the Buffalo Airport, that dude hung around and took pictures with fa- with Bills fans. Obviously, you're out of the playoffs. Yeah. Season's over. You don't have to do that crap anymore. Mm-mm. And I love... Well, he felt like his life was threatened, O'Donnie. <laughs> He's seen babies being thrown through tables. You know? <laughs> That's just how we do there. That's I all. just, I, I just, this is, this is very much blues playoffs. That was child protective services. <laughs> this, this is blues playoffs to me, you know. Like, and I mean, I'm watching the game standing up. I've got these stress headaches after the game because I'm, I'm mean mugging through the whole thing. I, I, it was way easier when they sucked. Like, this was is it you that texted him right before the game. Yeah. Or well, <laughs> well, here, but, but, but let me tell you something. So before you texted me, well, okay, tell the story. So I'll tell the story. But, but this was before you texted me. Okay. So uh, my oldest Benjamin was over, and it was probably about 7 o'clock. And I looked at my phone, and it was Mary's dad, who we call Big Lee. Hey, Donnie, I'm so sorry. I broke down on 21 right near you. Can you come and get me and run me home? <laughs> and I read the, the message. And how, how soon till game time? 15 minutes, probably. 15, 20 minutes. And I look at the message, and I go, oh, shit. And I, I, but it's Big Lee, and I know Big Lee would do it for me. So I'm like, okay, Lee, where are you at? I'm coming right now because I'm thinking in my head, all right, I'll miss the first quarter, but I'll be back here by the first quarter, and I can listen on the radio. And so as I, I, I text him back, I'm like, all right, Lee, where are you at? I'm coming now. He immediately sends one, ha ha, just kidding, oh. go Bills. And then so Big uh, Lee. Damn it, yeah, Big, Big Lee, Lee bringing the yeah. heat. Hey, and so then about Jeff, five minutes. did me, that son of a. So then about five minutes later, Chucklehead Rivers over here, he chips in with a, with, with a hey, man, uh, I, need you, I need you to call me right now. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just trying to watch this. But what was very cool is that my oldest son, you ben, were like, was like, Why seriously? Not? Well, Benjamin was like, Dad, I'll go do it. I'll go do it. Oh, you don't have to do it. And nice. I was like, nah, man, I got it. I got it. Because I was afraid, actually, of what Big Lee would say of Benjamin's driving. So. <laughs> so, but I am, I, I just, um, you know, man, it, it's, uh, you, it, like the Blues won in the couple, couple years ago, man, like, or, or even going in the playoffs and going deep in the playoffs, man, it just feels like the years of, of all of the bad teams and all of the, the, the ripping that you get from other uh, friends of yours for being a fan of that team, like, Man, it just it's worth it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like to see when 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 Johnson ran that ball back 100 plus yards last week, I I was on my couch screaming. Like it was amazing. So, uh I'm I'm hoping for 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 it to continue. I, I think yeah, I, I that's the that's my team. That's the team I want to win the Super Bowl this year is the Bills. I just I re- and I, I know a lot Bills, of Kansas Donnie, City fans you, are going to be but... all over it, but that that's I I I I think it'd be cool. I can't break up with my guy. So who's your guy? Tom Brady. Brady. Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but well, another great thing: the final four this weekend is awesome. Yeah. Both games should be very, very fantastic. That said, uh, that's it for us. The Last Minute Blues podcast, Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers. Uh, listen, we're doing the show two times a week, Mondays and Thursdays. We're dropping new episodes. Share with your hockey-loving friends and, uh, and and let them know that the podcast is out there. Be listening for it before Blues games, too, on 101 at times. A- absolutely yep. so. We'll let you know when it'll be airing there as well. Donnie, Jeff, Jamie, as always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. 
It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up-to-the-minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.